All right, everybody, welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. Today is Thursday, May 21st, 2020, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Enter the promo code Locked On at BuiltBar.com when you're checking out and get $10 off your first order. I'm your host, Detroit Sports Writer Noel Bianchi, here today, as always, with longtime Red Wings fan and Bill Bar advocate, Ethan Smith. Ethan, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good. First day back at work today on this beautiful Monday. Recording this a little bit earlier. But, uh, you know, it's been raining all day, but eternal optimism, everything's going to be okay. I feel, like a guinea, I feel like a guinea pig, Nolan. I feel like I, a guinea pig that the government's <laughs> just like, hey, let's just see if we start opening this back up if everything's going to be okay. Yeah, you're, you're one of the – I'm glad you're going back to work instead of me. Better you than me. Yeah, I mean, I am the co-ho. I mean, you're kind of the main guy. I'm just yeah. – I mean, I've been going to work this whole time, so I don't know why I'm complaining, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, today, we're going to close our eyes and teleport through a time machine, do some time travel back to 2012, July – the Red Wings are fresh off learning that their long, well, not long time captain, uh, their long time cornerstone at defense, Nicholas Lidstrom, and uh, short term captain, is going to retire, and they need to uh, they need to figure something out. They are fresh off a first round defeat to the Nashville Predators, and in an effort to keep the ball rolling, Ken Holland takes a big swing at two of the top free agents on the market, Ryan Suter and Zach Parise. Uh, neither of them obviously signed with Detroit. They instead go to Minnesota, signing identical 13-year, $98 million contracts with the Wild. Today on the Lockdown Red Wings podcast, we're going to pose the question, what if Ken Holland would have been able to land Ryan Suter and Zach Parise? How much, how much different would the team look today? What would the current situation be like? Would they have possibly maximized the window of Datsuk and Zetterberg? We're going to answer all of those questions just ahead. But, uh, Ethan, I'm very excited to talk about this because it's one of those things that, in hindsight, you, you kind of felt like that was where the wheels started to fall off for the Red Wings. Oh, no, we can't get these big ticket free agents anymore. But uh, as we're going to see here in a minute, it's probably for the best that they didn't. Don't forget, we didn't get Ryan Suter, but we did get Kyle Quincy. And <laughs> Carlo Koyakovo, two years, uh, $5 million. Quincy on that contract, two years, $7.55 million. We did sign uh, Damian Bruner, too, just before we uh say and Suter made a decision. So We have to do a Red Wings rewind on just the entire Damian Bruner Yes. Thing. Yes. Like, like, there's no, like, one part of the story that necessarily sticks out to me. One thing I remember about Damian Bruner is how, how much he loved. It was his first game in the NHL. And he loved the uh, the lights that were like the the thunder sticks or whatever the heck they're called. They pass them out to the crowd. Yeah. And he loved those. So he was like super excited for the playoffs. And he said, when the playoffs come back around, like I want those. And they did. They did it for their uh, Swiss superstar, Damian Brunner, who scorned them and then went off to New Jersey. And now he's uh, back in Europe. He had, he had nine points in 14 games in the playoffs. And that was a super exciting playoffs because like – and this is, I mean, we'll, we'll, get, we'll actually get into this in a second. Now, Ethan, uh, get into the details a little bit about how these contracts kind of played out. So both of these guys signed for identical contracts at a ridiculous length when they were already in their prime. So they both signed for just over 7.5 a year for 13 years. 
And at the time, you know, it's good getting those big fish. And Nolan, I told, I was telling you before this, we started this podcast that I just, free agency never works out mm-hmm. unless you're getting somebody like Panarin, who's going to give, who is going to give you a hundred points for seven years, you know? Mm. So with these two guys, Parise was a big fish, but it wasn't like, he's not putting up those points going to give you about 70 a year. And I guess at the time, if you're going to pay for it, that's, a, that's fine. But when these guys hit, you know, mid to late thirties, that's going to start trailing off. And you're already starting to see it a little bit with Parise. And I know Suter is still killing it, but as these guys get older, the game's just going to get faster. And then I know hindsight's always 2020 with these moves, bringing two Minnesota born players home, but it's just terrifying to see what, the implications are going forward here because, you know, with these, they, they were both on crazy front loaded contracts. Like they both made 12 million a year for the first three or four years. And over time, those trickle down. And in the last two years of their contracts, they both only make $1 million, but their average annual value is still going to be 7.5. But with this uh, cap recapture stuff, that people are going to start talking about when pre-Saint Suter and Shea Weber in Montreal are thinking about retiring or they're running into injury problems is it it's essentially going to double what these teams owe, especially with Minnesota. The cap recaptures like the average annual annual value minus the actual salary that's owed to that player. It's called like a, it's like a cash advantage essentially. So with Preece and Suter only getting a million each in their last two years, it's roughly, so 7.5 minus one is 6.5. So it's roughly $13 million in a recapture penalty that Minnesota will have to eat. No total. Cause it'd be 6.5 for one guy and 6.5 for another. Okay. So if they both retire in 2023, when their contracts are go until 24, 25, it's, about over, yeah, $13 million. Now see if they get traded like Shea Weber does, then Nashville owes that money. And I don't want to get, it gets into stupid specifics that were in the old CBA or in the new one that they basically are penalizing these teams that gave out these ridiculous contracts. Ilya Kovalchuk, New Jersey Devil. That to me, and it's so funny because like, I remember being like furious when the Red Wings didn't get those guys. You just don't think about it at the time. And I mean, like some people definitely did, but also like at the same time, like, was there any bit of like, well, it sucks. We didn't get Suter and Parise, but you know, at least we, uh, yeah. I mean, I thought for sure we were going to get Suter. I thought it was just going to be a perfect replacement for Lindstrom. That's it rolling mm-hmm. right on, but it just didn't work out like that. I always wonder too, how much, like how for sure they were as a package deal. Because I, Same. you know, I wonder how that played into uh, just kind of where where all the pieces ended up, like because I, I feel like I remember Ryan Suter being or the the Red Wings being the front runner for Ryan Suter, but they didn't know if he could convince yeah. Zach Parise to come. I don't. I'm I'm not 100 percent sure how much it was like their boys and they wanted to play in the same place. I think it that might have definitely played a part of it, but I think. I mean, I don't think Minnesota was outbid by any team either. It might have been close or even on something. But, I mean, if if you're choosing between Carolina – no offense to Carolina, but if you're choosing between Carolina or your hometown team, 
for the same amount of money, you're going to go with your hometown team. I mean, yeah. In a much better market. Yeah. Unless you like warm weather, then you might choose Carolina. Yeah. That, that would play to it for me. I think I wouldn't want to live in Minnesota. I don't know, winter. man. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd want to play in like a, a Southern team that doesn't get too many fans in the regular season. Like I'd rather play somewhere that's, yeah, but, like, you have a also, and this is a completely different topic, like, you saw what the Carolina Hurricanes did last year with the Storm Rising stuff. Like, you have the chance to create something really, really fun when you're in that kind of market, I think. That's very true. I just don't know how much how much it lasts. Like, yeah. I understand the frenzy and, all, and how great it is at the time, but I don't know. I think it's been proven – not proven, but even when Florida goes on a bit of a run in the playoffs, like, it doesn't, doesn't last. Mm-hmm. No, I I agree. You see, you kind of see the same thing with the Pistons. Like they, yeah. their the golden years are like revered, but like, and I mean, like, I, I guess that's really any sports team. So it's not like specific to uh, you know smaller market teams who don't have like a great culture. And you that, can say that about Rod Brendamore in Carolina, you know? No, and that's kind of what that's what came to mind is, like, they had those years, too. Like, they won a cup. They went to the cup against the Red Wings in 02. They, when did they win? Um, 2001. Was it later? 2001? I don't think it was so. A while, it was a while ago. Was it 2005? Well, the lockout was 04, 05. I think that It might have been. Edmonton versus Ducks Carolina? Won in, yeah, and then the Ducks won in 07. All right. Because they we beat got, the Red Wings. We figured Wings. it out. Who won in 2001? Uh, Colorado. Yeah, you're right. Anyways. Right, we, yeah, we have to get back on topic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but not before we talk to the listeners about Bilt Bar. I got great news for you, everybody. And that is yesterday for the first time in about eight months, I had a smoothie and a salad in the same day. It was incredible. Uh, and what has helped me get back on track and lose the calories in between those meals has been the Bilt Bar. I've been uh, snacking on them around 3 p.m. lately. That, that seems to be the sweet spot. It's, uh, I'm starting to get hungry after lunch, but don't want to spoil my dinner because I know I'm going to have something healthy and don't want to you know, reach for a handful of chips or something like that because then you know, once I do that, then I'm making dinner, and instead of making a salad, I turn it in, the chicken into a sandwich, and it's just a whole mess. So keep your life on track with a good old-fashioned Bilt Bar. They got 16 flavors. There's something for everybody. And at the end of the day, what could possibly be better than a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar? Enter the promo code Locked On at BiltBar.com to get $10 off your first order. That's promo code Locked On at BiltBar.com. $10 off your first order. Get your life back on track today. It's the only way to do it with a Bilt Bar. Sorry to say. All right, so anyway, when these players get traded with these ridiculous contracts the teams that sign them to their awful contracts are still on the hook for the money that they signed them to and i don't want to get into you know like i said too much into it but i mean it essentially doubles so it's like the worst case scenario for minnesota is if both players are traded next year and then they retire in 2003 2004 season when their contract is up that next year 2023 2024 yes um, the Wild are basically looking at a cap penalty of $40 million, $40.3 million, which is like a team folding charge. Like yeah, that's like that's half of your salary. Your entire team. Yeah. 
And I, I think I feel like if you're Minnesota, you honestly just on like the grounds of like logic cannot do that because you've already screwed yourself so bad, and it's like digging. You're just digging yourself a deeper hole while trying to get out of it. You know, it's. I mean, it's tough because when Ilya Kovalchuk left New Jersey and then New Jersey's like, oh, well, I mean, he left the NHL, so, like, we have to pay him this. It was, like, at the time, I think it was, like, $60 million or something like that in a penalty. And the NHL, I mean, they had to go, like, lawyers and all that stuff. And it ended up being, you know, they lost, like, a first and a third-round pick in the following draft and I think it, they had to pay some, I think it was like an unreleased amount of money, but it was, I mean, I know, I know they said it was a, a decent chunk of change. So, I mean, there's still, you know, penalties to be, to be given out if you do that, if you do trade them away for the relief of rebuilding. But at the same time, if you're not, if you are trying to make it work with them, those, I mean, that's $15 million a year that Minnesota is tied up in those guys. Mm-hmm. So it's you, you saw them lose players like Alex Tuck in Grandland when these guys were had were making this money and they couldn't sign them. So they had to they were losing really good players. Charlie Coyle, it's another one. Like there's that's a really good team if all of those guys are together right now, but they can't do it because of the salaries that they've given out to those two players. Mm-hmm. Another thing you kind of see with Chicago right now too. So we should probably pivot here to what the situation looks like on the Red Wings. Here's, I guess, the question I propose to you. It's great to have all this cap space heading into a rebuild. You obviously don't want to have your cap space tied up through 2024, 2025. I get that. That's a long, 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 long time from now in the world of professional sports. But also at the same time, I think if you just look at this Red Wings team right now and the cap situation that they're in right now, the only difference is, and I mean, there's obviously little butterfly effects along the way, who knows what happens, but like all things equal, these guys still work on this team that the Red Wings put out there in the 2019, 20 season in terms of cap space and all that other stuff. So like, if you don't, if you're still not in that much of trouble and I get, that that would also inhibit your chances of rebuilding and, and all those other things that you want to do. I a hundred percent get that, but I'm just, I don't know when I look back at it in, in hindsight, it's, it's very tricky to me to decide whether or not that was the right thing to do or not, not whether or not it was the right thing to do, but whether it would have worked out well for the Red Wings, because you have to think of also, you know, with that help, uh, Zetterberg's not as relied on as much anymore. Like just, just like certain like butterfly effects of, Oh, maybe they get another year or two out of him after he retires. And I'm wondering how long their window would have stayed open to win a Stanley cup. Had they made these signings. But at the same time, once the Zetterberg's leave and the Dotsuk's leave, you have that money tied up in those guys. And since we have been, you know, successful for a bit longer, you're not going to have that Mantha. You're not going to have that Larkin. You're not going to have that Bertuzzi. You're not going to have those people that are going to turn the page now. Yeah, but you don't, you don't have them now. But if they, if they make it to the Western Conference Finals in 2017, do you care? Because I mean, the rebuild has just been prolonged. And, I, and that's obviously a big stretch. Yeah. I'm just, propo- I'm just asking the questions here. But I, I think – if even if we were, you know, prolonging the streak for a bit longer, 
those first round exits, I mean, these teams that we were going up against, it was a big difference. And I'm not, I mean, I know Ryan Suter's great, but I mean. Yeah, but 2013, like I said, they were an overtime away from going to the Western Conference final. Tell me Zach Parise and Ryan Suter couldn't have gotten them, like wouldn't have made a significant difference in that playoff series. When they played uh, Boston in 2014, definitely outmatched. Lost four games to one. Won the first game on an absolute miracle goal by Pavel Datsuk. 15 and 16. They lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They go seven games. Uh, in that in 2015, Tampa Bay ends up going to the Stanley Cup. You just never know in hockey. And I don't you – know, in adding those two players to the team, while they're still like pretty much at the peak of their careers, while Zach Parise is not an absolute showstopper out on the ice, he's certainly the same type of forward that Henrik Zetterberg is, I would argue. And I get the star power aspect of it, but you're I don't know if you're taking into account the fifteen million dollars that's getting tied up in those guys that you can now not spend on keeping the Nyquist Tatars around. Mm-hmm. Because Applicator, big role player when Zetterberg and Dodsuk were around, not here anymore. I don't think we would be able to sign DeKaiser to the contract that he wanted. Because he signed a one year with us, then we paid him. Anywhere near as Okay, but what is what has so what has the signing of Danny DeKaiser done for the Red Wings? I mean it's I understand that. I know you could pick just DeKaiser out, but I mean when it was still when there were other defensemen that were healthy and relied upon, he's I mean, he would have been our most reliable defenseman this year. He's always been a reliable defenseman. Okay, but who cares? This was the worst team in NHL history. You're talking about another shot to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, but if you're tying $15 million up on a team that was already up there in the salary cap, that's not, it's not feasible that we're going to be still an awesome competitive team when we're, we have a great top six, but we have a horrible bottom six. And then we have two really good defensemen. And then two, we have Jonathan Erickson playing in four roles. Do you know what I mean? There's it's, there's. No, I get what you're saying. And I'm not saying that they would still be a contender, but I'm saying if you can push, if they're a top four team in the top three, top four team in the conference every year until 2016, 2017, I think that's worth it. To just say, yeah, you're not going to have Anthony Mantha. Well, yeah, you start the rebuild in two, three years from now. And I'm not one of those guys who wanted to push. I was one of the first people who was like, all right, tear it down, start the rebuild. But I think that the, those two guys are in the team, the, the underperforming Red Wings that we've talked about in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the decade to start the decade, I think are not necessarily. So could you could you explain to me what you think this Red Wings team now would look like with Suter and Parise, but without Mantha, Larkin, Bertuzzi, Zadina, Valino, DeKaiser? I don't. I, mean, I don't but know. We probably what, still I, have Trevor Daly. But like, <laughs> no, I don't know what this Red Wings team looks like. I don't think they're. If those guys are here, but like, okay, I don't. I don't think they are either. But that's fine because the rebuild is just starting. They probably look exactly like the team did in 2017. Okay, so you just start the rebuild a couple years later, and if you're contending for cups in that period, then who cares? I just don't think that team is comp- is contending for a cup. I don't, I don't think any Red Wings team since they lost to Chicago in game seven of the conference finals was contending for a Stanley Cup. But they, if they would have signed, they would have been on that team. Would you, would you push a rebuild down the road three years for another sh- Stanley Cup, for another trip to the Stanley Cup final? When Zetterberg's 40? 
2013. Those guys would have been on that team in 2013. Well, tell yes, me, they, like you take and you you add another, you give another crack at a Stanley Cup in 2013, or a trip to the Stanley Cup final in 2013 to push the rebuild three years down the road. I think that's worth it. I think it would have been more than three years. It would probably have been like seven years down the road. It, you're not the contract situations. It's it would have just been a horrible, horrible signing for Detroit. It would have been horrible. We would be screwed. All right, so so yeah, you're so yeah. We might win another cup in 2013, but now we're not going to be. We're going to be bottom dwellers for a decade because okay, we can't get cares? rid of these guys. Who cares? That's what I'm saying. Like, okay, I I 100% get what you're saying, and I'm a big like rebuild tank. Hey, lose as much as you can, kind of guy. Believe me. But also, if everything, everything, everything goes exactly as planned and all the prospects that you draft over the next five years turn out to, and the, the ones you have been drafting for the last five years, if everything turns out perfectly, you hope to win a Stanley cup. Yeah, but it's hard to, when you hand out 13 year deals to players under 30. I understand that. But if you have a legitimate shot at being a top four team in the league during that for four years after you sign them, that is worth it. You know what, Nolan? I just don't think we're going to see eye to eye on this, okay? (laughs) I don't. No, but like, do you get what I'm saying? Like, you get what I'm saying? The the goal of a rebuild is to what? Rebuild and hopefully get back to the Stanley Cup. This team was still a very good team in 2013. Yeah. I mean, they finished with a seven seed, but it was a shortened season. You know, they always get hot at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. They probably, they definitely would have been like a third or fourth seed if the, if it was a full season. Right, right. Yeah, you know. <laughs> no, the, I I don't know. I get what you're saying, but I just think that when you have when you have the culture and the leaders and the players that they did on that team, getting to a Stanley Cup is much more manageable than it is with a bunch of young guys who has never had it before. So why not take a chance at getting to another Stanley Cup before those guys get here? than trying to, you know, hopefully build to a Stanley Cup. Jim Devolano took him 15 years to build a Stanley Cup winning team. And I know that there was a whole joke about Ken Holland, rebuilds take 15 years, blah, 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 blah. But, like, sometimes it just works out that way. And sometimes the team only wins once. Sometimes that's all that that build is worth. And I think that sometimes, like, you people, Red Wings fans, whatever – discount like the idea of being close to a Stanley cup at the end of those, at the end of those last couple of years, because of the fact that it was on this era of like, we're not going into the playoffs as a one seed. Like who cares? Like this team sucks. Like, I think that there was just such a different view of this Red Wings team, but they still had potential at times in the playoffs. They went to a game seven with uh, San Jose in 2011. Obviously that first round exit against Nashville. 2012 not great uh but then you try to you try to go off that you still have playmakers on that team i think it's i think it's worth i think it's worth it i don't know i think when we didn't get Suter and parisi i think that was the start of the whole light retooling for holland trying to keep it going the streak but mm-hmm. it was really people are starting to say like all right we need to start getting younger we need to start bringing more new younger players in. We need to start drafting higher. And I just – I see what Eisman's done in Tampa Bay, and I've seen what Chicago did. And 
Edmonton for the last 12 years. And I just think that building a team through a draft and improving with younger prospects and keeping them in your system for longer is better. And especially like Boston, Boston's, I'm a, not, perfect, I'm, I'm Boston's not. a perfect example for that. But I just don't, I've never seen the, you know, you know, a free agent signing with two studs work out like that. Very rarely. No, works. I haven't either. I haven't either. But I also think that the Red Wings are a unique circumstance and you're right. Like, in the years following that, like Ken Holland, that was kind of the uh, birth of the just keep the streak going. And that obviously sucks. But like, then you think of like, okay, they wasted those four years right there. They wasted those four or five years. Why not have those studs on their team? See, I just don't see that. Who knows? They bought them out in 2022 for a chance at another cup. That's because you're a spoiled wings fan. It's okay. It's okay. You're trying to get to the pinnacle. That's that's the that's the goal. You could have done this it. Entire, it this entire there were a couple years where they could have done it with those guys. That's all. I'm saying. No, no. And this entire argument is prefaced with the fact that the Red Wings lost to Chicago in Game Seven of 2013. So, just sorry it didn't work out for them. Chicago is the better team. Marion Hosa and Kane and Taves, and you know, I mean, all right, whatever. I'm a little bit biased. Update for you guys tomorrow. <laughs> uh, going to talk about everything that's going on around like the it? league and how it impacts the Red Wings. Yeah, that's it, man. We got a time limit here, bro. Uh, yeah. How it impacts the Red Wings. We hope you guys enjoyed yesterday's episode with Ben Raven, a little bonus episode shenanigans, drafting the top souvenir items from stadiums. Uh, be sure to rate, review, subscribe. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. And like I mentioned, uh, to start the week, we are now on YouTube, so go subscribe to that channel as well. Uh, We'll see you guys right back here tomorrow. Same time, same place. Ethan, tell the people goodbye. See y'all later. That's kind of weird. Alligators. Okay, you turn it around. That was good.